This just in from Just Riding Along Outdoor Media, Matt's Week in Review with an update on breaking bicycle industry news. Hello and welcome to Matt's Week in Review. This episode is recorded on 6-9-2022. Lots of news this week, but I'm saving the best for last because it's when I have an opinion, and my opinion is the best, so it's last. So starting off the week with big bike stuff, Deviate releases a new bike called the Claymore. Uh, the bike is a huge travel, high pivot bike, 165 millimeters of rear travel, and it just looks like an all-around just big smash bike. And I keep seeing these huge bikes and drooling, but I have no real need or justifiable reason for wanting one. I rode some Rainbow Trail today, and having a bike that would go full, full bash, full smash would be fun, but I would have to get the bike up the hills. Getting back to the meat and potatoes of this Claymore, Bikes uh, 165 rear, designed for 170 in the front, high pivot, steep seat tube angle, and a huge reach number. It also clears a 29 by 2.6 rear tire, and all in all, sounds like it'd be fun. So if you want a high pivot bike, maybe try this one. And then if you don't like it, give it to me. The last part I'm kidding about. Keeping things spicy and big bike related, Olin's is releasing an updated coil shock, the... <gasps> TTX22M.2. That's right. I had to take a big breath before I could get all those letters and numbers and whatnot out. The big upgrades are you can adjust the stroke in 2.5 millimeter increments from the outside, meaning, you know, externally adjustable. You don't have to take the whole shock apart to do it. You can change coils without pulling the rebound knob. And there is an updated bottom out bumper to assist less progressive bikes at the end of the mid stroke beginning of the end of the stroke so cool if you need a coil maybe this is the one for you more news on the gravity side of things and i hope you are sitting down ergon releases the sm downhill saddle i know joke was terrible but you don't tune in for my good looks as this is radio it's got to be my amazing jokes to bring you all back so to get back on the dh track the saddle has a slimmed down shape to help with clearance, uh, tire clearance at full bottom out, as well as fully padded edges fully around the saddle. So think about it like this. Your normal mountain bike saddle is designed for you to sit upon. You know, you put your butt on the saddle and you ride your bike. And sure, you might drop the post and the saddle bounces around between your knees. But, yeah, you know, that's kind of like second use case for a traditional saddle for a downhill saddle you set it at a comfortable position so you can control the bike with your knee or thigh or whatever you wherever you want the bike and you to interact in terms of that and this saddle is more comfortable on the edges because that's the part that you're really using with your body it's not made for sitting it's made for bashing around between your legs and and controlling the bike when you're in the the chunk and in the the gnarly stuff so it's fully padded fully around the saddle that's kind of the long explanation on that and because it's not something that's really designed for sitting it's designed for controlling the bike it comes in one size one gender there's no there's no choices there they just do a couple of tiered levels of saddles in their you know kind of let's call it normal tiers of you know entry through blingy and another one in between moving uh let's see one up releases an e-bike specific carbon bar don't be mad it kind of makes sense. The bar has some routing ports for cleaning up the look of your bike by running some of the cables through the bar itself. 
you really want to look at a picture of this one. There's some access holes in the bar, so you can put the cable in, and then there's access holes under the grips, so you can get the cable out and run it under your grip to your controller or whatever. So it's kind of neat. Uh, there are some over-the-top claims of stiffness, compliance, DH rating, etc., 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 but it all feels to be a bit much, honestly. I'm not really a marketing jargon kind of person here. I'm more of a spit the facts, throw some shade, move on with it. So it really makes me question. If we need to talk about all these comfort ratings on 35mm bars, was 31.8 the best bar diameter ever? You decide, because I've already chosen. Moving out of mountain and into electronics, I mean, that was kind of a segue. We went from mountain to mountain bike, e-bike bars, and now into electronic stuff. Garmin releases a new computer, the 1040 Solar. And I bet you can guess what the biggest feature is, solar charging. So to get started, there are two big things about this computer. The first, the price tag at $750, and the physical size. This is not a small boy. This thing is a chonky boy. The computer is big. It claims a 100-hour battery life by way of the solar charging helping out along the way. So, you know, between charges, you should be able to ride 100 hours based on sun helping the battery stay topped off as you're going. They don't claim you could ride the bike forever without charging it, which makes me think the solar capabilities are limited. But I'll give a good use case here in a moment. So they've swapped over, like talking about big changes, they've swapped over to USB-C cord. They made a few new mounts. They include a rubber bumper case with every unit. So improvements all across the board there. Uh, the computer gives you feedback on the amount of solar charges it's getting. So if you were like stopped mid-ride, you could, let's say you're like eating lunch or something, you could prop your computer on like a napkin or like slide your knife under the edge of it or something or, you know, stick it in your helmet and put it just so and it'll it'll get more you can see how much sun it's getting and charge your battery a little bit more efficiently from you know the sky juice another cool thing that that would be really good for is if you were like driving to the trailhead you could like toss it on your you might not look at the the readout but you know you could toss it on your dashboard and it would charge while you were driving think of like a weekend trip where you are you know you rode on friday evening you rode again on Saturday, you're going to like hang out in camp, ride again Sunday before you go home. You could toss it on your dashboard or, you know, set it on a picnic table in camp or whatever. And your battery will like top itself off. And, and I know that we all have like lots of, uh, you know, like USB battery bricks and whatnot. But it, just being able to let the sun do it passively, I think it's a really cool feature. Uh, and I'm really excited about seeing this like come to other products as as we move forward. One complaint I did see in a review is, and this is just comparing Garmin products to some of the other bigger players on the market, like Wahoo, for argument's sake. There's no like phone setup yet. You're still doing all the clickety clackety everything from your from your unit. You're not able to set up the page screens and everything from like a phone. So it's very like it's intensive to set that up from the unit itself, whereas your phone is a much more, you know, through an app is very intuitive, very quick. That's my one big, huge takeaway about Wahoo. So yeah, you still have to press a million buttons to get all your screens set up if you get a new 1040 solar, but technically you'll only do that once. So might not be the end of the world. In other electronic related news, because we just used our computer now we're going to upload it to strava strava is adding a ton of features to help us 
or to help users create more data for them, I mean, track their own rides better. In all seriousness, they are giving more granularity to the info you can give them, which helps everyone. They're going to add features that show things like seasonality and time of day use, so you might know when to go to a trail. For argument's sake, if a trail's busy in the morning, you might try to ride it at, like, you know, dawn patrol. Or you might realize that it feels busy in the afternoon, but there's actually a bunch of people that do dawn patrol there, and riding it at lunch might be best. The other thing that's really cool is, huh, no one ever uses this trail in February or March. Well, there might be a seasonal closure in effect. It might be under snow. You know, who knows? So there's a lot of things that that this could hold, and I think it's going to be really cool to see this one roll out and see what features are user-friendly, what falls into the Strava free, what can you get out of it in the free. I mean, I think that's all super important. I think that's something that we'll learn over time as we all play with this a bit more and, and get familiar with it. So full e-bike news, uh, but this is a little bit different take, so ride along with me here. Porsche has become the sole owner of Faza e-bike drive systems. That's kind of it. Well, but why do I care? Well, this is a shift of major car manufacturers entering the e-bike space in earnest. So rather than a brand approaching a brand and saying, make me something, we see a car brand approach a brand and say, we want to control this. This is a good thing. We want it. And I think that's really cool. So, who knows? The The future is ripe with uh, change, I think, especially in this space. Because, you know, road bikes have gotten really good, right? They've been around for forever. Mountain bikes are really awesome now, and, and it took them a you know, a few decades to get shaken out. And, you know, e-bikes haven't been around that long and we're still learning what's what and what customers want, what can the customer afford, what does the customer want to afford, et cetera, et cetera. That whole space is still shaking out and it's just really neat to see some some big changes because we could see some some other really cool features or really, really cool price points or who knows what come with something like this being added to the cycling market. Lastly, I want to wrap up by calling out a small opinion piece that is over on Bicycle Retailer called Emerging Retail Trends Set to Upend Traditional Retail Buying and Delivery. So the, the short version is two folks from the OmniTalk podcast and a third from Sunlight Sports, which is a bike shop, told Sea Otter attendees, folks need more options on how to shop with you and pick up, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And they were talking about how other brands like, for argument's sake, Best Buy, are allowing you to do like a shop online pickup in store or shop online pickup from a locker in front of the store at 1 a.m. because you worked until midnight as a, uh, for argument's sake, you use a Best Buy example like, oh, I'm a bartender, I get off at midnight and I bought my new Nintendo Switch and I'm going to swing by and pick it up from a locker at 1 a.m. because I want to be able to wake up in the morning and play it, you know, like, that's a real thing, right? That's a different shopping experience that they can offer. Now, moving into that, with the the bike shop is the local retailer can be key to success for many people in many situations. The other option is folks may be tired of arguing with retailers when they want to spend money. There are always folks who are wanting the wrong thing. You know, so for argument's sake, uh, you're new to mountain biking. You're this kid who thinks downhill bikes 
uh, look really cool and you want one for their local trails. Well, they they might need to be educated, right? You, you, if you're in Memphis and you want to ride local trails, you don't need a downhill bike. That's not going to be fun. You're going to want something like a a Roscoe, right? Like a, let's say, a, a capable hardtail. That would be more than ample for that area, you know? So there is always going to be the need for education. But over the last few years, I have a few, and I have two memorable experiences of being told I shouldn't buy the exact product I wanted. And I'll give you both examples. I once walked into a shop and I asked for an item by the brand, model, and size. And this shop was a dealer for that brand. Said I want Giro D&D gloves, size large, right? I, I knew that I wanted, again, brand, model, size. And I was told, those suck. You want X, Y, Z. And come to find out, it was because they didn't have them in stock. So rather than being offered, I'm sorry, we have some more on order. I can call you when they come in. Or I don't have those in stock today, but I could, you know, you could give these a try. No, I was told they suck. That that was the exact language is those suck. Another ex- example is I went to a shop. And I was told that I shouldn't spend $60 on a bike pump, that I should rebuild my pump. The catch is my pump was probably seven years old. And I'd cleaned and rebuilt it a few times. And it just just didn't work anymore. I mean, it, it put air in your tires. But I was at a point with my pump where I'm like, hey, this pump works really well. And it's just not doing what it used to do. And now I want to buy another one of these. And my pump will do what it used to do because I've used it for years and I want to use a new one for years. Then they had the exact same pump in stock and I just wanted to give them my American currency for it. And I felt like I had to argue for my right, mildly argue for my right to spend money with them. And I know that I'm a petty bitch for remembering these two examples but this isn't a unique experience, and this was all brought up by someone that was on the Twitter the other day was talking about how she had called multiple bike shops and was struggling to spend her money because as a new rider, she knew what she wanted from talking with a few friends and needed that like crossing the finish line on making the purchase and couldn't find a shop that would commit to giving her time to spend, in in her words, $2,500 they didn't have time to take her money. So, again, I understand the local bike shop is paramount to the success of a bunch of riders, but there is a point, an experience, a turning off moment that leaves customers desiring a more concierge style and a more careful and caring experience. The internet isn't killing the local bike shop. The local bike shop, on occasion, not wanting to let customers spend money on things, is killing the local bike shop. I've never had an online retailer not allow me to complete my transaction and just proceed with a sale and move on. And I think that's what we have to consider here is that person that wants to buy the Nintendo Switch, and I want to take this out of cycling because it kind of takes the, let's say, the the your personal opinion, right? If you want a Nintendo Switch, you want a Nintendo Switch. I don't know anything about them except their handheld game things. And you don't want to go to Best Buy and argue with someone about what color should you get or what 
first game you should buy or any of that. You just want to buy the thing and take it and use it. And I think that's that's what Omni Channel offers some people. Some people want to go in and they want to chat and they want to be educated and they want to pick out three new games. And that's fine. There's a shopping experience for that. But I think we as a as an industry also need to understand that it's a boys club in a hard way. Uh meaning if if you're if you're in the know, you're cool and you're in the know. If you're not in the know, I mean I guess we'll help you, but it's not always a very comfortable or comforting or smooth experience in those situations. And I think we as an industry need to do a better job of educating first. And if you can read the room, you'll probably know pretty quickly how much education the customer needs. You'll usually pick up what the customer's throwing down. My point is the bike shop could do a better job of being the bike shop. And this isn't an attack on bike shops. This is a reminder that every day we're not always going to knock it out of the park, but we need to strive to do better every day so that more people are more comfortable in your bike shop. More people, and I don't mean comfortable like you got a nice couch for them or you turned on the news channel that they like. I mean comfortable in the sense of you were welcoming, you were inviting, you met them at their level of jive and jargon. You gave them the time. You're appreciating them as a customer. And I think that we'll see retention of customer goes through the roof. So, yeah, I don't really have a good way to wrap this one up because I do think that more ways for more people to shop with your local bike shop would probably be a great thing. But I also think if that's not within your means as a shop right now, maybe you could do a better job with the way you do offer business to your customers in the current time. A very sombering way to end the week in review, but that's that. That's this. And this may go to every other week. I'm finding that as we enter the meat of the year, the weekly cadence is a little bit rough for me. Things are slowing down in terms of news volume while the rest of my life is ramping up. So every other week, for a while may be the ticket we'll see don't be mad if if it doesn't post next week and if it does it's a gift so until next time take care thanks for tuning in to this week's news until next time take care and ride safe